Welcome to I'm So Obsessed, where we talk with actors, artists, and creators about their work, career, and current obsession. I'm your host, Patrick Holland, and today my guest is the hilarious and talented actor, viral comedian, and stand-up comic, Sherry Cola. She stars as Alice on the freeform show, Good Trouble. I should note that this interview was recorded at the beginning of February over the internet, so please forgive any audio weirdness. This is the best way to start a podcast. I'm going to ask the stupidest question first. But I want to ask you about your name because in one sense, it's so badass. It doesn't seem like it's real, but it is. Um, <laughs> is it a stage name? Is it a nickname? Do you just like Sherry Cola? Like, where does it come from? Sherry Cola, you know, it rhymes with areola, uh, first and foremost. Just want to point <laughs> that out. Everyone's thinking it. Sherry Cola is a stage name uh, wholeheartedly. It came kind of on a whim, to be honest, back in maybe 2012. I don't remember when, when, but I was trying to make a Yelp account, like just randomly because, and I asked my friend Kim, I was like, what should my username be? Like, I want it to be kind of, um, you know, uh, food related. And my, my first name is Sherry. That's my government name. But immediately she was like, what about Sherry Cola? Obviously a play on Cherry Cola. Uh, and I was like, wow, that's pretty catchy. That's that's cute. So then I ended up changing it on my Instagram and Twitter and essentially just like was a username. This was just a username. Right. But I don't know. It didn't really feel like a nickname until like later on, because then I was meeting new people in my life. And when you add people on Instagram, well, your Instagram is who you are. Right. You like pretty much like your Instagram <laughs> is your name. So people just like started calling me Sherry Cola and uh yeah i don't know i'm making this longer than it is to be honest but uh <laughs> i think on instagram a lot of people uh are, we're kind of portraying who we want to be so i'm wondering is, is sherry cola like the person you want to be versus like when you're not sherry cola at home like a superhero well, well to be honest that's uh, that's hilarious uh i'm sherry cola day by day and sherry cola by night as well to be honest I, it is a full <laughs> it is a full embrace um 24 hours of the day this is who i am now you know um it, so basically the reason why i use it as a stage name is because so uh, basically people i meet new people i was meeting back in my radio days whatever like they just know me as sherry cola now in a sense of course everyone knows my real last name which i'm not going to reveal believe it or not it's like nowhere on the internet um, it is on the uh, internet it is on the internet um but yeah we don't it have to is it, so yeah i found Wait, it the how many letters are in the last name uh i want to say one two three four five like seven or eight and then there's an uh an n with a uh slight uh uh marking above <laughs> okay <it. laughs> so patrick patrick that's not real oh i tweeted that i tweeted that as a joke because remember those memes <laughs> um like a few this is so funny and niche uh, remember those memes uh, a couple years ago uh that like it was like rappers' real names. Like T Pain was Tylenol Painkiller. Oh, Card Cardi B is a Cardigan Backyardigan. That was like, <laughs> um, so it was those memes, right? So then, jokingly, I tweeted my own quote unquote real name, and I wrote Sharina Colada because that's you know play on Pina Colada, and I thought it was exactly. Cute. And literally, the internet 
<laughs> I guess picked it up uh, in the slightest sense and and uh, on the internet. Yeah, if you search Sherry Cole a real name, it's uh, something I jokingly made up. But yeah, okay, well, so it's I'm not. Going, I'm, I say I'm going to cross off my list. Why would you not just stick with Pina Colada? But that's not real. Uh, I clearly I bamboozled you, Patrick. I bamboozled you. Bamboozled you bamboozled me. But I want to go back to something you said, too. Uh, you talked about a, a video that you made for Vine went viral. What was that video? Oh, it was honestly, oh, my goodness. Here's the thing I've learned in my years. You can never plan to go viral. When you plan to go viral, you're never viral. You get 20 views. When you do something on a whim with, like, no makeup, bad lighting, like, something in your teeth, that will go viral, <laughs> which is exactly what happened. It was this video where I was just kind of – Vine had a lot of those, like, uh, girls be like, oh, um, uh, ex-boyfriends be like, you know, those, that, it was that mm -hmm. genre, right? So I was sitting at a TGI Fridays, literally under the worst lighting <laughs> possible in the history of Earth. And I, I decided to do, uh, because I'm really goofy, and, you know, my whole life I've had, like, really hot female friends, you know? So I was just making fun of whenever we take a group picture, um, like we'll do the smiling and then someone will be like, okay, let's do a funny one. Um, but everyone's still gorgeous and cute while I'm doing like a grotesque expression. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, for the funny one. Yeah, I, I can relate to that. I can relate yeah. to that. <laughs> so basically it was that. It was the concept was selfie style. And I say, girls be like funny face. And then I do a cutesy version of what they do. And then I said, but I'm like, or something, I can't even remember. And I'm like, but I'm like, and I do this like face that, it kind of looks like the V for Vendetta scream mask, uh, <laughs> like some type of Jim Carrey facial extortion uh, with all my, you know, cheek muscles and all that good stuff. So uh, I, I, this real, really intense face. Uh, and, and it goes, it picks up steam because this face is just like something you can't even freaking do. You know what I mean? Like it, it was just, um, so that was it. It was just me doing a, a creepy face, creepy gross face. Uh, but yeah, so Sherry Cola uh, is, is who I am. It's my stage name, but it's also just I, my identity at this point. And the reason why it's even carried into acting and, and stand up or whatever is because when I was in radio, um, and that was also the name I used when I eventually was on air as well. But I, when I first started doing stand up, like I, I was going to do my very first show, you know, and they asked me what name I wanted on the lineup. And like, I was like, wow, I could use my government name, which is what I know up until now. You know, obviously I have Sherry Cola on uh, social media, but like it, it wasn't identity identity quite yet. You know what I mean? But then I was thinking like, well, Sherry Cola is this cool, fun name that I've been you know, kind of embodying the last couple of years. Like, and I was thinking in terms of standups, like people have fun names, standups, like Cedric, the entertainer, like that's what he goes by. You know what I mean? Um, uh, uh, Lil Rel, you know what I mean? It's just like, uh, these are fun names, like um, standups use. So I was like, why not? Sherry Gola. It's a nickname. It's a, you know, it's, it's what I do on social media. Like, why not? Let's, let's use it um, for standup too. And, and, cut to now it's you know literally what i get credited as and and it's who i am in every way and yeah being that stand-up uh is maybe one of your many hyphenates i'm wondering like how have you coped with like the whole pandemic thing um because obviously you're not performing in front of people like you used to and are you getting any material from all this time so it's literally so bizarre um that of course comedy is coming from uh this this climate you know what i mean 
just from everything, from not being able to have casual sex, for example, you know, like uh, <laughs> things like that. Just, just like the, 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 I would just say, how how comfortable were we before to like we used to like just casually cheek kiss, like you know what I mean? I, I can't believe we used to do that. And there's so much comedy um, in it. So yeah, definitely new material. But I do some, uh, I've been doing some virtual shows, you know, uh, I'm supposed to do a, a safe social distance in real life show um, uh, this month. And there, there are ways that uh, comedians are obviously, you know, uh, still doing stand up creatively. And it really shows like how, you know, comedy will never die. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like comedians will find ways to creatively uh, express, whether it be on the internet. You know, a lot of my um, comedian peers are like blowing up on TikTok. You know, like we will find a way to make you laugh, whether you like it or not. So I think it's really <laughs> cool, um, the resilience of the stand-up community. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's talk about Good Trouble, uh, the show Good Trouble. You play Alice on it, and at the time of recording this interview, for our listeners, um, it's just ahead of the third season premiere, which is February 17th. How would you describe the show? Good Trouble is a reflection of real life. You know, every single character is fighting for something, big or small, um, whether it be, you know, in the workplace, whether it be in a relationship, you know, whether it be um, about social injustice and trying to change the wrongs in the world you know what i mean there's so many layers and in in my character's um journey her struggle you know she she is a, a queer chinese american and uh first generation i believe and actually i say first generation i believe as in i know my character was not born here but i don't know the definition of first generation sometimes because people use it differently <laughs> people do use it differently so first no, they generation do. Means, you're totally right you're totally right wait first generation you were born here or not born here first generation you, you would uh, first generation you'd be born here like i got if, it um my family from Ireland came and they had a kid there, or my guess my great grandfather would be first generation American. Yeah. Anyway. So the point is um, already, you know, off the bat, I'm so touched that this character was written, right. It, it, you know, I didn't see much of this at all growing up, you know, not only the Asian aspect, not only the immigrant aspect, not only the queer aspect. I mean, just this layered character, you know? Um, so Alice also manages the coterie, uh, which is where uh, we all live. This beautiful, messy, diverse group of uh, people, you know what I mean? And, you know, it, it just, it's all about, yeah, like I said, just fighting the good fight and we're all going through something. And, and, and my character, you know, uh, there's always this like evolution of confidence with her, you know, in, in season one, she's finding herself being comfortable in her own queer skin because she's, you know, she's out of the closet to an extent, definitely not to her family and uh spoiler alert, but the end of season uh, one, we see her come out 
and it's just this emotional experience. And season two, she's stepping into the world of comedy because she's always like bottled up her emotions. And, <laughs> you know, she finds this outlet, a way to express, which, of course, I can relate to in real life as well. You know, your 20s, it, it's all about just kind of making mistakes and like, you know, saying the wrong things and just, you know, um, freaking sleeping with the wrong people. You get it. Um, and that's exactly, I do. <laughs> what, that's exactly, you know, not to air out your dirty laundry, Patrick. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a longer podcast. We don't have time for that. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's just really cool to see uh, Alice grow and we're going to see more of that in season three and kind of her, her fighting against uh, stereotypes even, you know, that's a big theme for Alice mm. in season three, like learning to just, uh, represent, uh, for your community in a way that you didn't expect and, you know, you, you're trying to figure out if you're okay with it and just not wanting to perpetuate stereotypes, etc. So that's a cool uh, new thing about season three that I'm excited for uh, everyone to see. And I'm excited for Alice to keep exploring. Well, I want to ask, uh, you've played this character for three seasons now. What have you learned? Have you learned anything by playing her this long? Oh, absolutely. About myself, absolutely. You know, uh, when I first booked the character... That opened up the conversation about queerness in my own life. You know, I figure like, okay, I'm about to I'm about to play um, this character who I never had as a role model growing up. Oh, of course, I had um, a few here and there. You know what I mean? Like I had Margaret Cho, who you know is the queen, the icon in every which way. You know, just I would watch her stand up and just think, wow, like this woman. This Asian woman, this queer Asian woman, you know, is so outspoken and the things that come out of her mouth, like no one would expect that. It's unpredictable. You know, she's breaking that stereotype of what, you know, people think an Asian woman is someone, you know, the stereotype is that you're we're, we're quiet. You know, we don't want to rock the boat. And Margaret here just completely broke that barrier. And it was such an inspiration to me. Like it, it potentially could be a role model in some sense, you know, like with that being said, I need to live my real life kind of you know mirroring this because i had been bisexual uh, for as long as i can remember but it was not known to my own mother you know what i mean so i had to have that conversation um after i booked a trouble and you know that conversation is still going the truth the truth is right i say those right. things are uh, things that just are definite you know or defined or they don't yeah. come to an end um and as say as uh your relationship with your mom um not only about your sexuality, but also about your career. How has how has that changed? Yeah, I mean, honestly, my mom is so proud. And literally, it's just, oh my goodness. We just had an amazing moment recently, actually. She joined me in this Christmas Kohl's commercial. So we shot like four <laughs> or five of these, like, you know, uh, spots for uh, Freeform and, and Hulu. And it, it went all over or whatever. Um, but... It was just such an experience. Like, I mean, I, first of all, I'm so grateful to Freeform and, and, and all of the teams for even, like, letting me have my mom, like, who is not an actress, like, hardly, I mean, knows English, to be frank with you. You know what I mean? And, like, she's uh, memorizing her lines. She's delivering it with sarcasm. It's it's perfect. She's perfect, you know? That was a nice milestone for us, you know, uh, and, and for her to see, like, the last you know, three, four years really pay off, you know, because my mom knows that I, I did things in high school, like, you know, uh, host the talent show, or, which essentially was stand up. And um, I would make funny videos, I would do performish things uh, in the comedy space uh, in high school. But you know, it just didn't feel like it was a possible end game 
for many factors, you know, like the lack of representation, et cetera. Um, I just didn't think this world was for me until, you know, later on in college, I started to do radio and that became the goal. And she didn't have high expectations because, you know, she thought we were just like happy to be here in this country. You know what I mean? Let's just do what we got to do. Let's just do the bare not the bare minimum, of course. Like she, of course, the reason why I always give a hundred and a million percent is because of her. The reason why I'm never freaking late is because of her. Because we do not want to do the bare minimum. That you know, you get what I'm saying. It's just like we, her, the hard work ethic has come from her, um, which is why I want to ex exceed all her expectations. Which clearly I already did. I just drove by the Good Trouble billboard today, and I'm like, oh my goodness! Like <laughs> we never would have expected this in a million years you know what i mean and this is truly only the beginning and and she knows that and she's so proud and it's really cool to see my own progress to be honest when i really sit down and you know being on a show like i love dick and then claws and then good trouble you know these are also shows that are so diverse and so um making so much progress in terms of the themes and you know so dare i say woke you know like female driven queer af and and just it's just so mm -hmm. so cool to be um yeah, to, to have been part of such uh, dope shows in my career. I want to hear about the uh, your auditions, but I want to just make sure we... I know we talked a little about this, but um, I, I've heard you say before that uh, when you see more than two Asian Americans on screen at the same time in a non-stereotypical way, when broken English isn't being used as a punchline, it shocks you. And I, I guess the question I have for you is, uh, what does that make you feel when you see that and what can be done about that? And I realize I'm asking the person who probably is not the person who can necessarily do something about that, if that makes sense. Oh, here's the thing, Patrick. I feel like I can do something about it. And I have such a fire under my ass for so many reasons, whether it be, you know, just driving down Sunset and not seeing that many Asian faces on billboards. Because a lot of shows will check that box, but these Asian people are not the leading actors. I mean, whether it be the Golden Globe nominees, I don't see enough Asian faces, wow, period. Yeah. And it's not even a matter of not seeing enough. Honey, we hardly see any. You know, it's like, it, it just, I can't believe that in 2021, it's still the same conversation of us not being a priority and us not being taken seriously in that way. We are so layered. We're sexy. We're funny. We're dangerous. You know what I mean? There's like just so many layers. And that's how I grew up. I grew up around a lot of Asians and I've seen so many dimensions and you know I mean come on it's like uh, you know and I can go on for days about this but it's extremely frustrating but at the same time just um I, I use it as fuel I feel so part of this this movement in the sense of like you know and, and the Asian community in general specifically in the industry we are stronger than ever right now like it's interesting because it's so interesting because, like, we've seen some opportunity, right? Especially in the last three years, you know, big, uh, big thanks to things like Crazy Rich Asians. You know, um, we've seen a little more than ever, sure, you know, but it's still not even close. And but, but I think we are in a space where you know we are putting competition behind us and like just empowering each other, which is very cool. We are stronger together, and we need to have each other's back. And I think. We're, we're all about that now. So I'm, I'm very excited to truly take over. Like, I know it, it can be kind of discouraging, you know, at times, but I'm so, so fired up and motivated in every way to just like make the change, <laughs> period.
as the name of the podcast is I'm So Obsessed. Sherry, what's your current obsession? Oh my goodness. Well, first of all, Drake is in a constant obsession. <laughs> Drake is really a constant obsession. I adore him, and I don't know if I want to be his wife, his best friend, or his little sister. It's very conflicting. Very different roles. Very different roles. Exactly. Exactly. You know what? It'll be. It's up to him then. It's up to him. How about that? Uh, that's just off the bat. One of my uh, big obsessions, and uh, just food in general. I mean, I'm trying to think of like. I mean, I I just love food. I I truly am um, a foodie. I dabble in the cooking. Like I said, my parents have a restaurant, and somehow I am not savvy in the kitchen. Um, I've tried to whip some things up. Um, in the quarantine, I've really discovered parts of myself, you know, the creative side, really, because, you know, putting hot Cheetos, you know, in ramen, <laughs> putting hot Cheetos in ramen, you know what I mean? It's like, where can you get that anywhere in L.A.? Nowhere. You know, I was putting pepperoni and fried rice. And there, there's a reason. There's a pepperoni and fried rice. Oh, my God. I mean, am I Rachel Ray? Am I Rachel Ray? I, I seriously, uh, I try my best, but I, I just I really do love food and, and I'm really obsessed with um, flavors. And maybe that is because my parents own a restaurant. You know what I mean? But there's some things I'm working on um, in the food space as well, an unscripted series behind the scenes. I'm just creating a lot of, there's a lot of dope behind the scenes. But what else am I obsessed with? I, I'm pretty sure my roommates can uh, <laughs> say like a whole list. Uh, chapstick. Oh, chapstick. I'm very obsessed with chapstick. Ooh. Like, it is oxygen to me. Like, I, 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 how many have I washed in the laundry room because of um, it being in my pockets? Um, have you heard of the urban myth though? Like, um, when you put it on, it now it does feel good, but it also kind of dries it out to make you put more on. I, I don't think there's any scientific proof behind this, but yeah. I've always been told like if you I, use a lot of chopstick, you're going to use a lot more chapstick. I actually think that might be true because I know a lot of people who don't use it as vigorously as me and they don't need it. And, and I'm like, how do you not need it? Like, I need it. Like, I feel incomplete. Like, if I left my house and I don't have one with me. Like, so, yeah. And specifically the brand right now, because I remember I went through a Carmex phase. I went through, like, an EOS phase. I went through, like, a baby lips phase. Currently, I just do the black OG chapstick. Classic original. There's something the the scent the scent of that. Oh my goodness! It's like medical. It's something medical. Yeah. Like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> um, but, but I'm obsessed with chapstick for sure, without a doubt. <laughs> I want to pivot and just ask uh, quickly about your character, Lil Tasty. Yes. How did you come up with her, and is she based on anyone? She's not based on anyone. Lil Tasty um, happened in, uh, I think, 2016, 2015. Um, but my friends Rick and Adam, they were creating this uh, web series based on, you know, just it's like a docu-series, as kind of mockumentary style, right, um, of, of uh, Lyft and Uber rejects. <laughs> Right. So so this new company, <laughs> Uber, um, you know, kind of lets anyone be a driver essentially was the whole thing. I was like, OK, let me think of uh, a character. And immediately I was like, she needs to rap because I love hip hop. I, I, <laughs> I literally like I love hip hop and I've been uh, freestyling loosely, obnoxiously, playfully my entire life. I, I was. Um, you know, obsessed with 106 and Park. In sixth grade, I was just very into hip hop at a young age and, and, and till this day, all those shows, a rap city, oh my goodness, just even like making the band, you know, when Diddy was putting together like, you know, um, <laughs> the band and A26 and like Danity Kane, I just, I was just obsessed with music overall, right? But 
um, hip hop specifically. And so I always um, love rapping and all that good stuff. So immediately I was like, this would just be fun if this was a rapper character. I just had the Kobe Bryant jersey in my closet. I, I had uh, accidentally purchased uh, the wrong size. Um, <laughs> and, and I was just sitting in my closet and I had the hat. The hat was something I wore for real. And I was like, okay, let me just put the, like, literally it was like an overnight, nothing was scripted. We just like went to the 7-Eleven really? and nothing was scripted, Patrick. Everything was off the cuff. I was just freaking talking nonsense, essentially, right? And the fact of the matter is like these type of Asian people truly exist. You know what I mean? I've met them and like, you know, whether uh, they're from different parts of the country, like the, the Lil Tasty was such a, I think Lil Tasty went viral because she was so refreshing in a sense. You know what I mean? Like uh, uh, Lil Tasty went, like, I think it got a million views in like 24 hours, which is a lot for someone who's never gotten a million views in 24 hours, right? So um, <laughs> it was a 7-Eleven video that first went viral. And I think for for uh, the audience was really wide, right? Because it was people who loved hip hop, people who loved the Lakers, people who loved uh, yeah. people who, who who were Asian. They were just like, oh my goodness, like what is this uh, peculiar character? Like who is this? Is she real? What is this? It was yeah, the, it, like, yeah it's it was, so convincing though. Right, it's it was so convincing, so intriguing. They're like oh my goodness, she's saying the darnest things. Oh my goodness, these references. And truly, this is just me like absorbing all the pop culture in my you know thirty years. That like I I I was just spitting out random things and freestyles, and it was just ridiculous. It was obnoxious, but it was so sweet. She was this naive, like almost childish character, right? That like just had this wide-eyed you know view of the world, and like just all these things about this sweetheart of a character, Lil Tasty, and of course Kobe. Just oh my goodness, I mean Patrick, I could cry right now. Like I, I could actually cry right now because. Like me growing up in, uh, you know, Los Angeles County, Laker games, like with my dad and like, you know, just the Lakers were everything. And Kobe Bryant was, I mean, I, it was religious, Kobe Bryant, you know what I mean? And, and like, you know, and it's been a year since Kobe, you know, left us. The fact that it just happened to be this Kobe jersey in my closet that I grabbed for this character and it went viral. So, you know, of course, just running with the fact that, like, she's obsessed with Kobe. You know, this was such a thing. This was one of Lil Tasty's characteristics, if not the the number one, you know what I mean, thing about her is that she was, um, Kobe was like a father figure to her. That's what one of the things she said. It was, it's just such a fun character to do. And she's still so dear to my heart. Um, but yeah, like, especially when Kobe, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, the news about Kobe hit, I was honestly like just heartbroken in so many ways. And like, it's conflicting in terms of Lil Daisy. It's like, well, I want her to still exist. Um, there was a TV show I was working on, uh, literally based on Lil Tasty and, uh, just kind of putting her in this grounded scenario, you know, cause she's like kind of an obnoxious character, you know, in a sense. Uh, but she is, a uh, uh, type of character a type of person that does exist in the world but the point is now i'm like wait if i were to ever do that show still like it does it maybe start like the day that kobe left us you know what i mean like there's so many things to think about and like i just you know i i just haven't figured it out to be honest but the point is Lil little tasty is still here Lil tasty is in cuba right now with tupac uh, <laughs> <laughs> well and then Lil tasty yeah. like because you had the kobe thing but also at the end of the year we had um and, and the Lakers winning the championship. Oh so, my goodness. I, I mean, yeah, right. So you have you have oh. so much material just in that that aspect. I mean, you know, when Kobe left us, like people texted me, 
Like, because they knew, like, how much of an impact he had on my life. And, of course, Lil Tasty, this thing that went viral, you know. And I wonder if Kobe ever saw the videos. And I want to – I'm just going to say yes because I remember meeting <laughs> I was at the Staples Center one time for this fundraiser. And, like, I was as Lil Tasty. And um, a couple people from the Lakers team, like, I don't know if they were uh, in the marketing team or something, something, something. They were talking about how they'd seen it. And I was like, I was asking if Kobe seen it, but I'm, I'm guessing it's like, honestly, I did a video with freaking T-Mac. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm pretty sure <laughs> Kobe saw it and I'm just going to say that he did see it and he, he thought it was adorable and he laughed and I'm just hoping that's the case. But yeah, freaking the Lakers won the freaking championship and it's like, you know, oh my goodness. I, I, it just, it, it just made so much sense. This was, this is all for Kobe. And from here on out, anything Lakers is forever for Kobe and like, yeah, hopefully Lil Tasty will make a comeback soon, for sure. There's a lot of material. I want to wrap up here with a thing we do called Pick One, and I give you a couple different options, and you pick one. The first one I have for you is Pick One. Stand-up, TV, or film? Oh my goodness, TV right now. Because honestly, in TV, I'm doing stand-up, right? And then also just, I have so many things <laughs> up in the TV world. But film always, of course, but TV right now. <laughs> Got it. Okay, next one is NBA 2K18 or NBA 2K21? Wait, was 18 the one I was in? Yeah, I believe you were in 18 and you're recording <laughs> one for 2K21, I think, right? I, I guess 18 because that was the, the OG and I and I met a lot of cool people and uh, it was a really uh, really uh, dope experience. 18. <laughs> and you put and you're credited your character's name is Beefresh, is that right? Yeah, so it's interesting cuz it was kind of inspired by Lil Tasty and it was this character they had and Originally, it was supposed to be a dude, I think, but they were like, yeah, they, they switched it to female and something like that, something like that. But it was really fun. It was also uh, a lot of improv, too. And and that was just a cool experience just because mocap. Like, I've never done, you know, you're in this, like, body suit with all these little uh, markers and, like, uh, you're in this big room that looks like a gym uh, and there's, like, 300 cameras. Um, yeah, it's really cool. Really cool. Okay, next one I have, and I apologize. This is, <laughs> there's not an easy answer for this, but I encourage you to talk it out. Kevin Bacon or Kevin Hart? Oh, you really did your research. Yo, I, wow, that is really hard. And you could talk it out. You could talk it out. You don't have to pick Excuse one me. necessarily. Kevin, Kevin Bacon. I've also worked with his wife, by the way, like uh, mm. I, I, on a film called Endings, Beginnings. Oh, he was just a delight. You know, that was, you know, my first TV show, I Love Dick. And the first day, like Kevin Bacon's right there. And I'm like, what is life, you know? But Kevin Hart, goodness gracious. <laughs> I mean, you see the journey that Kevin Hart has had in his career from, like, I remember watching, you know, him and Anthony Anderson, who also, Anthony Anderson is so funny. And, like, I remember seeing them two be hysterical in Scary Movie. I think it was Scary Movie 4. And, like, I just thought Kevin Hart was so funny. And, like, you see, like, I, I guess with Kevin Hart, it's like you see how, how, not the, how long it takes, but essentially nothing's overnight, right? Nothing's overnight. Like he has been working for so long and it's like, it wasn't until like maybe the last five years, he really became the Kevin Hart, like that is as successful as he is right now, you know? And like, it just is so inspirational, I guess. Okay. I guess I'm gonna choose Kevin Hart because um, <laughs> of the actual career uh, timeline aspiration with the standup and the acting and just, you know, production company, all these things that I want to do. So uh, Kevin Hart. <laughs> 
Well, and you said earlier you were talking about not only not only your own career but also um, your community. You know, working your ass off for that. So that 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 seems right to me. Honestly, I feel really good, Patrick. Truly, this was so. I mean, this is amazing. I, I loved it. Yeah, this. Uh, I, I I think I could easily say that you uh, win the award for the most energetic guest we've ever had. Really, ever? Honest to goodness, I have had. This has been such a great time getting to know you, and I wish it was the pandemic and we were in person because I just your energy is amazing and the stuff I've seen you do on screen is outstanding and I, I just wish you so much success and, 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 and good good fortune there. I want to thank Sherry for chatting with me and I want to thank you for listening. You can watch the third season of Good Trouble on Freeform and catch the first two seasons on Hulu. Also, please take a moment and subscribe to I'm So Obsessed on your favorite podcast app. If you really like this episode, please rate it. Until next time, take care.